Welcome to the Edified Equity Podcast. My name is Dino, and here we focus on all the unique benefits associated with being a passive equity investor in an apartment syndication. You can learn more about and follow us on the web, iTunes, Stitcher, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Instagram, and our award-winning blog on Bigger Pockets. All associated links will be in the show notes. If you find this information helpful, please subscribe, like, comment, rate, and review. Today on episode number 79, I am so excited to help my friend Willie Smith launch his new podcast, the Generational Wealth Through Commercial Real Estate Podcast, and I am super honored to be the one and only commencement guest. Enjoy. Have you heard of the Multifamily Investor Nation Summit? It's coming up January 16th through the 18th. It's a three-day information-packed event for multifamily investors with over a 1,000 attendees and over 50 speakers. You'll hear from experts about finding deals, raising capital, underwriting strategies, selecting markets, and so much more. I've been invited for the third time to speak on the state of the multifamily market. Go to apartmentevent.com to grab your ticket and use promo code DINO to save $100. Whether you are a seasoned multifamily investor or just getting started, you don't want to miss this event. You're listening to the Generational Wealth Through Commercial Real Estate Podcast. Your host, Will Smith, is a former NFL player that found his passion in commercial real estate. Every week, you will learn from industry experts everything you need to know to get started investing in commercial real estate to build generational wealth. Hey, today's guest is Dino Pierce. Dino Pierce is the CEO of Edified Equity, an independent sponsor firm offering deal-specific direct investments serving the affordable housing demand in the southeastern U.S. He's an active multifamily investor, and he comes from a family of entrepreneurs. He's also an active blogger on Bigger Pockets. He has an award-winning blog, so go look it up. And he's also the host of Edified Equity Podcast, and you can find it on um, iTunes and on YouTube. Hey, Dino, man, thanks for joining us today. Tell us a little bit about you, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate the invite. Yes, sir. So you, hey, you, you did a really good job. Uh, not much more to add there, except I always like to throw in my favorite part of life is being a father. So I have three kids and um, again, it's just, it's one of the, the best things about being alive is being their father. So, um, but other than that, you hit the nail on the head on the business aspect and what we're doing in the multifamily space. Right. Right. Good deal. Good deal. So um, are you only focusing on multifamily or are you in other asset classes as well? 
I'm not right now. Um, I would say for a little bit over two years now, it has been solely multifamily, only multifamily. I did start out in single family space and mm -hmm. uh, made a full transition, like I say, probably a little bit over two years now. Yeah. And it's the only thing we're doing. I mean, I get opportunities all the time, uh, but I don't have a problem, you know, staying in my lane. Yep. And I would rather just re be really strategic and really strong and really narrow in one area than just, you know, be kind of good at everything. So that is right. my main focus. And honestly, um, I don't know what it would take for me to switch that focus because I really feel that in the multifamily space, especially workforce housing, we have right. a very long runway ahead of us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in the workforce housing, there's going to always be demand because you're going to always have that middle class in America, no matter what. So that's definitely yeah. a good area to be focusing on. So um, you said you're, you started with uh, single families, right? Yeah. Did you do yes. flips or was it just some buy and hold? What, what were you doing there? Yeah, no buy and holds. It was, it was all on the flipping aspect. So it started out like many people start. I think when they get involved in real estate, it started out simply Signing my uh, selling my contract for a very small but quick profit, but yep. it didn't take me long to realize, you know, as the saying goes, I was selling the cow instead right. of being, keeping the cow and selling the milk. Right. So I started, I just put two and two together really quick and said, Look, instead of me, you know, selling you, Willie, this contract for thousand, five thousand, whatever the profit is, and yep. by the way, it was very, it was heavily taxed profit at that. Oh, yeah. um, so when you factor everything in, it just didn't really make a lot of sense. But anyway, I would say, look, you have the expertise. I don't know how to flip a home. You do. You and your crew do all the work. Yep. I'm bringing the contract. And then on top of it, I'm going to lend to save you some hard money, hard money points. I'm yep. going to lend about 25,000, which so obviously that's usually not enough for the complete rehab, right. but it gives you a start. No points, simple interest. And we do a profit split on the back end. So that was my, you know, I never take credit for, you know, running a crew and, and, and doing a flip all on my own. Everything yeah. I do is part of a team and right. I really believe in teamwork. Yeah. 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 That, that's actually genius, man, that you thought about doing it that way. <laughs> you don't have to go swing no hammers or knock no walls down. Like that's the way, right? It is. And I just partnered with some of the people that I was assigning and selling these contracts to so i knew they had a solid track record i had gotten to know them pretty well as well i've seen their work so it was um you know i didn't even really feel like it was risky partnering right. with them like that and then the other thing was it was it was my money so no one else's money except the yeah. hard money lender but that was kind of on their back because they're getting that money from the lender not right. me and uh, we were in such a hot market, even back then, this is over five years ago, I'm going back. Even back then, we we're in such a hot market here in Colorado on the single family side that yeah. um, I knew, I just put the pencil to it. I'm like, look, I know, I got this under contract. We put in 50,000 in six months, we're looking at this much profit, so. Yeah, got you, got you. So from there, you started looking at how you can scale, and that's, that's why you started looking at uh, the multifamily space? That's correct. Well, not, uh, you know, it's not even that. So I had a friend who was operating as the COO for a large apartment acquisition and asset management firm, which is what we do now. Yeah. And he, just as a friend, he had nothing to gain from 
from it. He just said, look, you have a very good business mind. You are trustworthy. You're good with people. You, you're, you understand how to operate. You really should get out of the single family because once you do it, you got to find another one. It's like, it's another job. You got to do it over and over and over again. Right. He said, I know you're getting killed on the taxes, which is totally true. And he just kept dripping on me for like, I don't know, a year, year and a half, just kept boom, boom. You should really do this. You should really do that. Right. And, um, I woke up one day and it was, it was almost like, I don't know, he hypnotized me. And I was like, I should learn how to syndicate multifamily and learn the <laughs> right. business. Right. So I, I did. And it was all credit to him. But I just guess over time, him talking to me about taxes, cash flow, it's a longer term type of investment. Yeah. You can do it um, with a team, which I liked because that was the other thing he kept telling me is I'm all, I'm a senior business manager for a corporation. So I already have that full-time business role. Yeah. And he knew that the fix and flip was just pulling more on me. Not to say that, I mean, look, passive cash flow, unless you're a limited partner and yeah. you're just looking at the menu and saying, I want to invest in that. If you're on the active side, nothing's passive. Right. But compared to trying to find here in Colorado, trying to find a deal off market that is so under market and needs so much work, we can come in and add value and make a profit. Yeah. It's a totally different ball game and it's much smarter. And again, like he said, I don't have to do it over and over and over and over. It's much more of a longer game play, which I like. Right, right. So, so um, you mentioned something there I want to dig a little deeper in. So you're doing a full-time job and you're also syndicating, um, you know, on the side as well. So yeah. I'll touch on that for some, some people that's listening to this podcast going to be like, I'm, I'm working a full-time job. There's no way I can start investing or it's no way I can get into the game. Like, so what advice would you give them? So what I would say is I, I always tell people I actually have three full-time jobs because I talked right. about my three, my three little ones. Yeah. I yeah. don't, don't think that because I, I am a full-time investor as well as a full-time senior business manager for a corporation that I don't have time for them. For me, it's about where are you willing to sacrifice? Right. Sometimes it means um, a little bit of sleep. Other times it just means working longer hours. And what I've found, especially right now, what's really important is just being super efficient with the time that you do have when you're awake. Because right. I'm not, I'm not going to go against science. I did when I was younger and didn't and hadn't come full circle with things and really realized, but what I'm getting at is I'm not going to go against science and say, you should live off of three hours of sleep so that you can do everything you want to do and see your goals come to fruition. That's not healthy. Science says yeah. the human body needs rest. Right. And now I'm in that mindset. I said, okay, well maybe six, seven, possibly even eight hours how productive are you with time management and what are you doing with the hours that you are awake? So just being really um, efficient again with scheduling my day has helped me get more accomplished and be there for, like I said, my three little ones. But here's what I'll say. It can be done. Yeah. It's, you know, there's other things though. For me, it's a sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice because I don't, um, it's not for me. So for example, I don't play video games to where other people might do three, four, five hours. And right. look, if that's what makes you happy and you're passionate and that's like fulfilling you in life, then yeah. do it. But I'm sure there's something 
that everyone listening can say, yeah, you know what? Um, if I did a little bit less of this, I can still get a fulfillment piece from it, but I can probably get more done, you know, accomplished on, on the goal aspect. And then finally, and then I'll stop and let you go. But, um, but here's the other thing. It's a team on my corporate side. I have a, I'm a senior business manager, but there's a team, there's thousands of employees on that team right. on, on the apartment sector side, on the multifamily space. I'm one person that's part of the independent sponsorship team. There's at least on every deal that I've yep. been a part of at the very least three or four other active operators involved. Right, right, right. Those, those are some very good points, man. Um, really, it comes down to, like you said, you got to have your time management. You, you need to be really living by a schedule and, mm -hmm. and then deciding what's very, what's important. Like, I mean, is Netflix really that important that you got to binge watch, you know, every night yeah. on the show, you know? Yeah. You, you can and cut the fat in certain places, man. Yeah, that's the other thing. I mean, I, I won't list all the things, but there's certain things, and it's just how I grew up um, and where I grew up, I think, but... TV for me was never important. Like actually my kids watch a few, they have a few programs that they like that's educational, but right. when, you know, like they, I, I never have the TV on for myself. And having said that, honestly, a good documentary, that's what would pull me in, but yeah. I don't have like a show or anything like that. And again, right. I talked about the video games. So just being more efficient, I'd rather, instead of even football, I don't, I don't, I would rather, me and you know Willie, I'd rather you and I go throw the football in a park and like yeah. spend some time together than sit down and watch it. There's other people though, and I'm not saying that's bad. Right. There's other things that I do that people don't. So it's just a trade-off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. So um, let's talk about uh, how you guys are finding your your deals as far as your group. You know, what are yeah. you guys you know using? Is it direct mail or are you using brokers? Like, what are you guys focusing on to find deals? Yeah, I think that, you know, I know actually that the best way for an oper uh, independent direct investment sponsor team to find deals is through broker relationships. Now, having said that, it doesn't mean that I want to be, I want to go further. Like, in other words, I want to get to the deal behind the deal. You meet a broker usually through they have a deal available you underwrite it you get back to them with honest feedback this isn't a game we're playing because by the way if that deal worked and we were we won you know the the offering process so we had the best bid and all that right. um we would move forward with it so i'm not encouraging people to play a game with other people but what i am saying is if i can get to know that broker and gain their trust and show the track record of what we've closed and they say okay these this group is a real player I want to get right above their A-list to where when they send us an opportunity yeah. and I say, hey, so-and-so, so how many, we like that market, it's the right number of units, it's the value add, everything we want, how many people are underwriting this? If they say five or less or three or less or, less or even better, they yeah. say, Dino, you guys are the only ones taking a look at it, so please get back to me like within 48 hours, something right. like that. That's what we want. But if it's on, obviously, we don't even look at LoopNet. And, and look, if you want to sift through enough, I'm sure there are, I know there are deals on LoopNet. It's yeah. just not, it's not the game that we play. We want to build strong relationships and get either true off market 
or very pocket listings. And then the other way is through our property manage existing property management companies, because yeah. they get word of mouth. They're right. managing for other operators. They want to keep the business. So they might, you know, if, if they say, Hey, we're looking to sell, I know this great group right down the street that own a hundred units. Would you like to talk? That's another great way. And then finally, we are experimenting um, right now with some uh, possible like pre foreclosure, mm -hmm. maybe HUD, t things like that, but nothing yeah. has come to fruition. It's, it's a very new process for us. Right, right, right. Now, I just want to touch on real briefly on um, your broker relationships because I know some listeners are like, okay, so you, you talk to the brokers, but how do I get them to take me serious? So, you know, you, you mentioned going and talking about properties and, you know, really maybe walking through some properties, but as far as the relationship side of it, like, what are you doing to make sure you get to the top of the list? Like, what are some actual tactics you're using? You named it. Uh, so my partner, and j just to be clear, while I do a lot of market analysis and underwriting behind my partners, um, yep. I am not the main acquisitions person, but I know what he does. Right. He's, right. he's really, he's great about, so let's say we had a new market. He mm -hmm. would contact them first, send them a track record and say, we are interested in this new market. You, I've been told by other operators or however that you're the person I need to talk to. He's going to fly out there, walk some properties, meet them in person. Yep. And again, that's what goes back to having a team. With me having three little ones, being a senior business manager, my schedule does not allow me to be that mobile. His does. Right. He's a great asset to me. And on, there's things that I bring to the table that obviously he thinks are uh, desirable and help him out. So it's a win-win. Right. But that's what he's doing because even like us, we met, we met through LinkedIn. Now yep. we're having a conversation. I can see you. You can see me. Right. Oh, he's a real person. It's like we haven't even like physically we haven't even shook hands right, but just right. having this video conference call and having audio brings the level of how i know you here now yeah. if i would have flown to wherever you are right. and like be in the room on the side of you right, it, right. Would, it would even be higher yeah, so yeah. I, I know that that right there it gives us so much just the simple fact that meeting face to face and walking properties i mean we've the, we have have had where he went out on a broker call, um, yeah. walked some properties, and they told him they were basically like, "Hey, we're actually walking this property for the first time, so just you know, kind of stay quiet and look like you're with the brokerage, <laughs> you know." So he <laughs> yeah, really got yeah. an inside view and was one of the first ones to see it. Wow, wow, that, that's awesome. That is awesome, man. Um, no, I want to I want to uh, talk about something here, man, because I. You know, I listen to a lot of podcasts as well, and I'm sure a lot of a lot of people just listen right now and listen to a, another podcast or two. Um, sure. You hear people talk about building teams, um, but nobody ever really talks about who who should be on that team and what's the best way to attract that right kind of talent around you. You mm -hmm. know, touch on that for a moment if you can. Yeah, for sure. So I, we are my partner and I, what. I consider emerging managers. I mean, you, you heard me talk about go back five years. That was a single family space, a yep. little bit over two solid years in the multifamily space. Now that's an emerging manager. I cannot come on your podcast and say, um, you know, Hey, I have, yes, I don't throwing pretend numbers out there, but X millions in assets under management and over yep. 5,000 doors. It's just not true. Now right. having said that, 
what a, a good thing that an emerging manager can do, because you're going to need a track record. Like Freddie right. and Fannie are, while they love writing loans at really good interest rates and amortizing over 30 years and fixing it for 10, seven, all that, they love it. Yep. They would say, well, we like that asset class, but uh, have you done a deal? <laughs> like, <laughs> right, like, right. Okay, so what you need to do as an emerging manager is get a really good acquisitions person, and yeah. that acquisitions person can be on the team. If it's not you, it could they can also be emerging because you could know how to underwrite. That's math. Yeah. That's it. You can right. know how to underwrite, not have a ton of experience. But what you will also need is to align yourself with a senior general partner, someone who has right. ten, maybe twenty years of experience in this space, yeah. so that they can. And then you need a liquidity partner. If that general partner is not one, you need someone with the liquidity so they have the, the, the balance sheet to sign right. on the loan. You need the experience to sign on the loan. You need to know how to acquire assets and have that person that can go out and build relationships. And then finally on your team, because everything that we do is through private offerings, yep. um, Regulation D, 506, you know, B, SEC exemption. Right, so right. it's all very, very private. You need to have your network, your team members have to have the relationships with people that have private capital that are looking for equity to be limited partners or come in and, and um, be a very strong co-GP or something like that. But that's, that's it. Acquisitions, access to capital, someone who can help qualify for the loan. And that's in two areas, experience and then that balance sheet. Yeah. 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 So now real quick, you, um, let me just touch on, you mentioned in the syndication of a 506B, and for those that are listening, that means you need to have a pre-existing relationship with them. This can't be yes. something you're marketing for. It has to be pre-existing um, relationship. But yeah, yes. go ahead, man. Yeah, no, very private. Uh, you would, you cannot see it on Facebook, LinkedIn, anywhere. Right. Um, and the the limitations are unlimited accredited, and then there's up to 35 sophisticated. Uh, which means they have to, and and they can self-certify yeah. through an SEC qualification investor qualification questionnaire if they're accredited or sophisticated. Right. Now we still look at this, and again we know them, so yeah, yeah. we've turned people away to where we've said, "Look, you you really you have the capital, right? But we don't feel that you have enough experience in the multifamily space, so let us." educate you and yep. bring you into a deal like a year from now. That's right. the other thing I didn't talk about is just having the patience yeah. um, to do things. But, but before I get off topic, so how do you find them? So I found them through, first, I always tell people, learn the business, whether you're going to be a passive investor or an active investor, yep. learn the business. Right. You need to know what you're doing. And then in that process of learning the business, I got associated um, with kind of like a mastermind group. And that's where I met the, the other key partner, which does the acquisitions. Yeah. Um, he had relationships from a different mastermind with senior general partners that right. I was able to leverage. Right. It leveraged having the right team. It's all about leveraging win, win, win scenarios. Right, right, right. And th this is a relationship business bottom line. You, this is nothing. You're not going to go and play this game by yourself. <laughs> you need some team. You need some uh, players on your team with you. Okay, yes. so um, you know, when you were first getting started, man, what was like the biggest challenge you faced? Like when you first got out there, and you wanted to do your first deal. What was the biggest challenge you were seeing? It's 
kind of the same challenge that we're seeing now, yeah. which is the first challenge was finding the deal that actually right. penciled out because right. we've had, uh, and we had to really tighten in our mandates to let people know what we were looking for. Cause I was getting every deal thrown at, uh, that existed under the sun thrown right. at me. Right. And first of all, you don't, if you're going to really underwrite something, I mean, you need to have a way to quickly identify within 10 to 20 minutes, whether or not you should dig further. Yep. And you do that by having mandates. Oh, it's not in, I'm um, just, for example, it's not in Huntsville, Alabama. I'm right. not looking at it. It's not 50 units or larger. I'm not looking at it. If it's not over a million dollars in purchase price, like I'm not. So you need yep. all those things you have to have right away. Right. Um, but it was finding it. it. It took from the time I made the decision to get out of single family, to get yep. into multifamily. It literally took almost a year for us to close on our first deal. And that's because again, of the time it take, these things take longer to close first of all. But yep. the other thing was just finding the right deal, finding it, finding it, finding it. And then you don't realize this, but the, you know, people say, if you, if you have the right deal, the money will come. Well, when you're in a 506B and you can't openly talk about that deal, you can only share it with your existing relationship. Yeah. Then we found out that was the other thing is we didn't realize, but you should be through a thought leadership platform, calling your relationships. However, but you should be letting people know way in advance yeah. that this is what you are doing and you're going to need limited partners on on the equity side right. so that when you have something you already have at least uh, a list of maybe 10 or more people at the very least that yeah. you can call and say we found one let me share the details with you right 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 that's a very very good point um now uh, since we talked about you was looking at how you look at your deals and stuff um what are some red flags you know when you're actually in the market that you want to be in like what are the red flags that jump off a page that you say you know what this is not a good deal for us for the first thing is crime uh you know it's it's you can your areas can gentrify and that can take over time and that all yeah. that's fine yeah it's okay for them to be developing around what we own but it's harder to change the people that are living there and sometimes what has happened in the past carries a stigma and it, that can last for years and years and years. So, right. you know, deaths, crime in the area that can be that we look for, you know, school zones, how safe they are, are they, how high are they rated? Yeah. What type of retail is, is around there, like walking distance, amenities, things like that. But the number one thing we're going to look at first, if, you, if it's in the market, if it's the right number of units, yep. if it's the value add, we're going to say, okay, wait, stop before we do anything else. Um, what's the crime look like? And we'll go from there. And one of the best things to do, and it doesn't cost any money, and I've done this several times personally, yep. is I call the police department and I ask for a patrol um, officer that it has that area and they right. always call you and they give you real and I, I'm straight up with them look I'm part of an investment firm we're about to buy a five million dollar apartment right. in the area you patrol like help me out don't steer me wrong and yeah. they're they're honest wow wow man that's I never heard that that's a really good tip there man, <laughs> man sure. it, it's real time I mean other than that you can Trulia has really good you know heat maps for crime and there's yeah. there's other there's other websites and things you can do but I think hearing it word of mouth I mean there's some officers who are like oh yeah 
oh no no I, I, i've been patrolling that area i know that apartment i've been there about there five years and uh, right. no no it's not it's not a bad area so sometimes that inside information yeah. well truly it might be saying you know it's an eight out of ten on the crime level and then yeah. this officer's like no 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 so um other people might steer away from it and you yeah. might that might be something you have to bring up to your equity investors too because they're gonna right. do their due diligence and be like man there's all kind of crime here yeah. and then you can say well i talked to officer so and so you know yeah 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 that's that's very very good man that's a gold nugget there for sure um so as far as the markets right now what what markets are you focusing on and what's the unit count you're going after yeah, so it's still five zero and above, so fifty units plus. Mm -hmm. And um, we we really like the South, so yeah. um, you know we like the, the southern parts of Mississippi. Um, I mentioned Huntsville, Alabama, yeah. Louisville, Kentucky. Um, we also we so there's other areas that we're looking. Yeah, yeah. Pensacola, Florida, Little Rock, Arkansas. Those are all um, areas is of interest for us again it's pretty much the south yeah yeah gotcha gotcha um now there's a lot of uh a lot of people listening to podcasts and they say well you know what if they can do it <laughs> and i can do it too which is true but um what are you seeing right now as far as you know mistakes that these rookies are making like what is the biggest rookie mistake you see people making i think the biggest thing is so first of all we have to remember that we are investors and you have to take your ego out of it. If you're emerging and you're just getting started, yeah. you really need to lean on the experience of the senior people on your team. Right. Um, it's, it's while it might be fun. And again, it's all ego driven for me to come on Willie's podcast and say, I have X million assets under management and right. X thousand doors. Right. That's not the goal. The goal is to get a solid investment. So I would rather, I would rather take down one really solid deal a year yep. or every other year for that matter um, versus do 10 and then nine of the 10 I have no business being in, especially when you are syndicating and there are other people's uh, equity and money in the right. deal. Right. So right. I, and I say this wholeheartedly to everyone. It's uh, so going, trying to go too fast, play the long game. We really do have in my, I personally know I have at least 30 more years in this space. Yep. Um, and there's always, we're dealing with one of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is shelter. Humans, you know, we need shelter. And right, right. now in America, the demand far outpaces the supply in where we are, which is workforce. We don't do luxury. We don't do war zones. Yeah. So play, you really need to play that long game. But getting back to my, the main thing that helps me sleep at night is that everything that I've been involved in over the past two years is operating and cash flowing because we played it smart. We took our time. We said, yeah. no, we backed out when things didn't work, like all of those. So, if a deal now things go south that even right. even with all the best intentions so if you and i both invest five hundred thousand dollars into the same syndication and it yep. went south here's where my mind would go wow that was an expensive lesson but i'm very resilient i'm gonna make it back i'm not worried about me it's right. willie's 500 that's gonna literally have me 
to the doctor with ulcers in my stomach because I'm worried. Even though we had, yeah. you signed the PPM, you knew all the risks, it doesn't matter. Right. It, that, that is a PPM, a private placement memorandum and having an equity partner sign it doesn't take the humanness and the consciousness out of doing business together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's fair, man. It's, if 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 I if I'm talking to a syndicator and, and they're they're all about you know what they can do and they they they're not afraid to lose money, <laughs> you know that's that's not a, a syndicator I want to be talking to. No, I mean their own money. Fine, do what you want with it. But right. again, it it I'm telling you that's what would kill me if something went south is not what I have in it. Yeah. It's knowing that I willingly brought people into what I thought was going to be solid and it didn't turn out that way. And I would have a heart to, I mean, thankfully I've never had been in that situation, but right. I would have a serious heart to heart and say, like, we would r literally have to have a conversation about obviously what happened and, yep. or, you know, what did we learn and what can we do to remedy this? Right. Uh, I think, I think, and that's the other thing too, when things are, because they take twists and turns. I mean, yep. We've had to replace property management company before, but our asset manager, um, I didn't even say that. You need a really good asset manager is very important person Absolutely. on the team. So it's, it's not one of the four or five that I mentioned. Yeah. Add asset manager to the list. But they caught it quick. We were able to make the changes. I think high level of communication. And that's the other thing that I love so much about this sector versus the stock market bonds. It's right. like, um, all of our investors have access to our cell phones. Yeah. Many of them have access to me face to face. Right. Like, that's so such an intimate um, relationship to have with the people that are in charge of the investment. Yeah. You can't beat it. Right. Right. Absolutely, man. That, that's for sure. Okay. So, man, we're going to segue into the next part of the show. It's going to be a, a deal deep dive. So, we want to just talk about one deal you've done that you can remember um, and let, let's see what we can get out of it. Yeah, sure. So um, I'll talk about, I, like I said, all, all of them are doing well in cash flowing, but we try to buy them that way. We don't do major repositions and we're not going to buy a vacant building. So again, yeah. having your mandates in place, if someone brings me, they're like, man, this is in your market and it's $5,000 a door. Yeah. Uh, you no, but it's vacant. You guys have to reposition. And I'm like, ah, it, that sounds great. Unfortunately, that's not our team. But right. anyway, um, we found one that was an under the radar market, an under the radar area yep. that is really just outperforming our projections. Wow. And of course, yeah, of course we we love that because we 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 underwrite conservatively, so we do want to outperform. Yep. But when we, you know, compared to what we gave our investors. But anyway, um this property is in located in uh, Gulfport, Mississippi. Mm -hmm. And of course, one of the main concerns was uh, hurricanes being that close to the, to the coast. Right. So we had the right insurance policy in place to make all of our investors, as well as us feel confident. Yeah. Covers loss of income. If something catastrophic would happen, we started to do our due diligence. What happened in Katrina? Cause this building is from the seventies. Right. What happened during Katrina? Oh, no flooding. Boom, that's a plus because if Katrina right. can't do it, what will? Yeah. What did happen? Um, there was some wind damage on the roof and that they had the roof replaced, but that was yeah. it. We like that. Then we talked about gentrification. What yeah. ends up happening is right now, literally in walking distance, tons of A and B class 
uh, retail is being built all wow. around. So we are nice. C by vintage, but located in an B plus, possibly even A minus area. Um, we looked at other things like what's happening. Uh, we, we learned that the, the port of Gulfport was just approved after the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers did. I think it was five years of due diligence. Yep. They gave it the green light and said, we're going to expand the port of Gulfport three quarters of a billion dollars. Um, we looked at the U.S. Navy had just signed a big contract, build five more destroyers. They're yep. building a state-of-the-art, uh, I think it's a $92 million state-of-the-art aquarium. Wow. Realtor.com. Wow. Um, had just put out a report naming the uh, 10 small cities poised to boom, likened to be the next Austin, and we were on the list. I mean, it's like every which way that we looked, and we went very local. Yeah. Uh, when you're looking at a market that, you know, it's not that it's not like I said, oh, it was in Austin or it was yeah. in Dallas or Houston. Yeah. Everybody's like looking at those. So we, we try to identify those types of markets yeah. and then prove to ourselves once we find, um, once we find the opportunity, we try to talk ourselves out of it. Right. And as we did our due diligence, we're like, ah, we really should have more here. instead. Right, of, right, right. So. And that, that's a good um, point that you said there though, man. I, I want to touch on that. You didn't look at the deal and say, how can we make this deal work? You look at the deal and say, why doesn't this deal work? That's a very good mindset to have when you're underwriting deals. Yeah. yeah. And and then the other thing, because I didn't mention this again, with the, as we talk through the deal, I'm thinking of all my team members and stuff. Yeah. Um, but that property manage, property management company that we have in place there yeah. well, is just phenomenal. And they have a development background. They are already operating a similar size in the community. Yeah. That's always a little bit of a gamble. So you need to have two to three backups in case the right. one you ended up selecting and those, re even though the references check out, sometimes they don't just doesn't work yeah. or they don't meet your expectations. But that property management company even you might have, we have different property management companies helping on every asset we own. There's some larger national ones that might do well, yeah. but that's a very important part of the success. And um, it, they have just worked out for us. We hit a home run with them. Right, right. Now, how many units was this and uh, what was the value add you, you did on this property? Yeah, so the units, uh, this was right over 100, 101 doors. Okay. Um, so it's not, not giant, but not small either, like close to the 50 unit that we look yeah. for at the bare minimum. Um, the value add was the operators were self-managing from about two states away. Oh, and wow. while they were apartment people in a good apartment group, yeah. that was just not in their wheelhouse to have it self-managed from far away like that. Yeah. Um, so number one was improving the operations with the management company flat out. The other thing was as we looked and did our due diligence and double checked with our property management company. So, Hey, we underwrote this. We're not even going to share with you what we think the rents should be. We're going to ask property management to underwrite it. And you tell us what that sister property that you also manage, what are you getting there? Like so much inside information you can get from them. True. They truly know the market and what can be done. But anyway, um, so the operations and then simply doing some light renovations. We had a two to $3,000 uh, package plan in place for each unit on natural turnover. Yeah. But we're also simply going to 
um, we're also simply just going to push the rant as Lisa's turn. So we're right. going to do a combination of both. And then um, we, we fixed up the playground. We put, they had a chain link fence around the pool. We put a nice wrought iron fence, new full pool furniture right. um, and, and plants and things like this. So we just made, we're, and started creating a community. I mean, I had a senior operator who has over 30 years and he touts this 30,000 doors under his belt. Tell me wow. if you want to, if you want to keep up with the market, the number one way to increase your rent and stay at that top is to create a community. People yeah. don't want to leave a community right. when they get to know their neighbors and their kids meet at the playground to play. And they do like after school functions in the clubhouse, like do homework and offer tutoring, take your pooch to the pool days, all pumpkin carving, all this stuff yeah. really helped create that community. And look, if you're staying at market or even right below, moving is a hassle. You have a deposit on the line that you're gonna have to hopefully get it back. You're right. gonna have to put it into the next place. When you start doing your due diligence and you're like, wow, I can, they're bumping me, but I can stay and still be like $25 under what all their competition is. I'm not yeah. moving. Right. I'll pay the $75 bump or whatever it is. Right, right. Now that uh, that property management company, are they um, on site or is it a um, just third party that's in the area? Yes, uh, so it's third party in the area, and they are like I said, they were already managing their main office is actually it's a satellite office from a larger company, but they're physically okay. there, um, and they're the the main office is close enough to where the the person who operates the management company is actually yeah. physically on site pretty frequently as well. So yeah. Uh, okay, good, good. Um, now what kind of debt did you put on this, this, um, this deal here? This was, this was a small business with, uh, this was with Freddie. The reason I'm digging in my brain is because we went back and forth and kind of at yeah. the last minute, um, ended up, going uh going through freddie so um that was the other thing we got it locked it for seven years at a really good rate and oh, then wow. we have a floating we have a floating at 13 but we're able to get out of it if we want um at, for, we have again we're good for seven years yeah a floating for an additional third so we're we're in a loan yeah. you know for a solid large amount of time larger than our business plan is even saying we're going to stay there right because ultimately you know, we're going to sell off of opportunity, not the calendar. That's yeah. why we want to make sure we can hold these way longer than the business plan we have in place allows for. So when the yeah. market does whatever it's going to do, because it's going to do something, it's, it, it's a market. So when the market does whatever it's going to do, we're locked in with good debt. We have a good debt coverage ratio. It's still cash flowing. We're making right. our distributions. And if anything, not that we're struggling at all with occupancy. That was another thing we liked about it. High yeah. historic occupancy, like 97 to 98% occupied. So um, we're going to, if anything, be 100% because when things turn, the luxury people come to the B class. Right. Uh, people who get in trouble for unfortunate reasons with homes come to the B, C area. Yeah, yeah. Good, good, good stuff, man. Good stuff. All right, so we're going to segue into the last segment of the show, man. It's going to be real quick. It's a lightning round. So, okay. ready for it? I'm ready. First question. What's the best advice you've ever been given? 
Oh, wow. The best <laughs> advice I've ever been given is probably um, my grandmother who grabbed me at a very young age. I was 11, 12, 13. No, probably more like 11, 12 or 10. Yep. And she said, um, I told her something I was afraid to do. And she literally took like grabbed my shoulders, looked me in the square in the eyes and said, baby, you're going to have to overcome your fears. And I think you should go ahead and do, cause I was showing her what I wanted to do and I was afraid to do. Right. And, um, I did it after she had that talk with me. And, um, it's, so it's a, it's a life changing story. I did what I wanted to do. I accomplished my fear and it put me in a position seconds later to save a young girl who was drowning. I actually saved her life when I was a little bitty boy. Wow. And um, from then on, I have always, you know, and even on like all my, a lot of my profiles, it has a picture of me on the side that says, you have to learn to face your fear. So my grandmother facing your fears. Oh, that's great. That's great advice. Number two, what is the best book you've read this year? Um, let me, you know what? Actually this year, let me think. I would say um, I read, there's a book called The Single Family Office by Richard C. Wilson, who was a guest on my, like two podcasts ago. And I learned a whole bunch from, I'd say The, the Single single Family Office by Richard Wilson is probably the best book that I yeah. have read. Yeah. But I'm actually more of a, I'm more of an audio guy and I've yep. listened to more podcasts, um, a, a lot of Richard's podcasts as well. But I probably, yep. it's not like technically a book, but that's where I'm getting my information. Right, right, right. Podcasts are huge as well, man. I, I, I pretty much listen to those a lot. Um, yeah. Number three, what are some rituals you have created that's making you a better investor right now? Um, I'd say better and better at life in general is being really structured with my time and knowing uh, specifically when, when I'm going to sleep, when I'm awake working, what task, what time is there, how am I going to make it all fit, put the family and everything in there. So I think not only as an investor, but as a person, but for an investor side, I'll just flat out say it's patience and no ego. That's yep. it. You wait. I don't care if I don't, I don't care if we don't syndicate a deal for five more years. Right. If the deal wasn't in front of me, I didn't do it. Right. Simple. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, four, what is one thing you're doing right now to help you improve your business? Uh, the one thing that I'm doing to help improve is really be a lighthouse and educating other people through thought leadership platforms, like what you're doing here with your podcast, my podcast, my blog, um, the, the YouTube show, all of that is just patiently giving freely, I have, you couldn't buy anything for me if you wanted. I'm like, Oh, well, I have nothing to sell you. But right, so I'm just right. giving, 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 giving quality consultative content regularly. And what happens is if you play the long game, people see that you're genuine and they want to align themselves with you because right. they know that you have something true and of value to offer. That is one thing that and patience again, is what I'm doing. Right. Right. Okay. Last question. If you can give your younger self one tip regarding investing, what would that be? I would say um, skip the single family side altogether and yeah. start getting into multifamily, get into multifamily earlier. And here's how you do it. I'm going to have that talk with myself. Um, here's how you do it. Yeah. You have no experience. You need to find something 
of value that you can bring to an existing experienced team of operators, whether that is underwriting deals in their market and bringing them a deal, yep. whether it's bringing your network of capital as well as offering your underwriting skills or your ability to analyze markets. It has to be something else active, but find something, go to that existing group. And I'm telling you right now, most groups need two things, deals yep. and capital. Right. Um, so if you can bring that to them, don't go to them and say, I'm young and hungry and I have time. What can I do for you? They're going to be like, I don't know. Like you tell them what your skill is and then yeah. you show them by adding the value. Yeah. And yeah. last thing is, and by the way, um, be willing to do it for free. Right. Be willing to show them so much value and that you're not greedy and you have long game goggles on that that they are like i really like working with you man that's that's some that's some great advice there for sure for sure all right man well dino uh this this is the end of the podcast man tell my listeners how can they get in touch with you i'm super easy to find i'm active i'm active on uh social media you just look either dino pierce or look up edified equity you'll find me like we talked about youtube uh podcast uh the bigger pockets blog um, Facebook, I have a close Facebook group. Again, it, it's where we're sharing, um, not investments. There's no pictures. My, I have a, it's like 1.4, yeah, uh, 1,400 plus people in that group. We don't, there's no pitching. They're not getting my deals. We can't do that. It's offering the quality consultative content. So I'm easy right. to get a hold of. Just search. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, hey, Dino, man, we appreciate you today and uh, let, let's stay in touch. Yes, sir. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening to the Generational Wealth Through Commercial Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Onyx Capital Investments. Onyx Capital Investments works with investors nationwide to invest in income-producing real estate in emerging markets. Connect online at www.onyxcapitalinvestments.com to learn more about what we're doing. If we have added value to your life, please leave us a review. I hope you found this information helpful. Whether you're here for the education, entertainment, or if you or someone you know has a problem finding the right place to invest their money, please help them by sharing this information. I don't have anything to sell, but I am on a mission, and I will be delivering quality, consultative, educational content on a routine basis. Thanks for tuning in. Make it a great day. You certainly deserve it. This is Dino Pierce, CEO of Edified Equity, signing off. Goodbye.